Welcome back to the Cross Stands. My name is Father Bryce. I'm here with Jennifer Ely. As uh, we move through the Catechism of the Catholic Church and ask the question, uh, what do we believe? Last time we talked about faith. What is faith? What, what does it mean to believe at all? And, and now we're jumping into uh, what might, might be the longest section of the Catechism. And I'm, I'm not quite sure, but about the, the creed. Uh, what we, the summary, or I guess the summary of the summary of what we believe. A while back, somebody asked us, Father, we pray the Nicene Creed every Sunday. So could you do a podcast that walks through the creed? And I've been wanting to do that. And now as we move through the catechism, we're actually going to, within this, move straight through the creed. Um, the creed is uh, simply a synthesis or like a coming together uh, of the faith. Uh, where what was of greatest importance was gathered from all the scriptures to present the one teaching of the faith in its entirety. And Cyril of Jerusalem says this. He says the creed is like a mustard seed. And just as the mustard seed contains a great number of branches in a tiny grain, so too this summary of faith encompasses, in a few words, the whole knowledge of the true religion contained in the Old and the New Testaments. So here in the Creed, with its 12 articles, is a summary of all of the faith, as, as so to speak, in seed form. Creeds are sometimes called symbols, and, and this, this is really cool. The Greek word symbol, or symbolon, meant half of a broken object. So, for example, it's a seal presented as a token of recognition. In other words, like I've got half of the broken like piece of pottery or the broken like charm that you wear around your neck or whatever, and you've got the other half. And if our halves come together, that verifies that, that we're the right people and that we're the person that, that, the person that you're looking for. So the symbol of faith is a sign, the catechism says, of recognition and communion among believers. Uh, we, we both, we all have, we have the faith and we keep the faith received as our baptism. That symbol, that, that, that charm that we wear around our neck that fits together with the charm of other believers, of other, of other Christians, of, of other disciples. Well, that's what, uh, that's what a creed is. It comes from the Latin word credo, which means I believe. And well, that's, that's where we begin. That's the first uh, two words. Yep. I believe, I believe in one God. And well, that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> yeah. The catechism breaks this down very very minutely um, because there is so much to unpack even in just that first line i believe in one god the father almighty like we didn't even get to father almighty in this podcast we're just going to get to i believe in one god um but even in that we have so much to unpack because yes we believe in one god but hey remember we believe in the father the son and the holy spirit who are all god so it there's just so much in there um, to talk about. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> just Father Bryce is just staring at me expectantly. If if you're wondering why we just paused, um, but so the first affirmation of of the creed of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in one God. Mm -hmm. um, this idea that um, there is one God but three persons is. Um, the, the, the way that we um, talk about that being one God but three persons is by this thing called the Cappadocian Settlement. Did I say it? Yeah, you said right. perfect. Okay, great. Um, which I've learned, and uh, Dr. Um, 
Dr. Liberto will kill me for not remembering the, the phrasing of it uh, correctly, but sometimes I confuse it. Um, but it's, it's this idea that we believe in one substance with three subsistences. And Father, with your Greek background, which is so much stronger than mine, what, what did I just say? What, what is this? How do we break this down etymologically? Man, those things are so confusing because, like, <laughs> at, 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 some people were speaking Greek and some people were speaking Latin, and you had to translate it from here and there and everywhere. If we all just spoke Greek, it would be way, way easier. Oh, sure. But, okay. but nonetheless, that's that's not what it is. So you could translate. Yeah, the, the Greek is miousia uh, tres hypostases, and um, you could translate it one substance, three subsistences, or you could translate it one essence and three persons which is usually how we end up getting it through through Latin. Um, and um, let's say we, we have to keep in mind the affirmation of Deuteronomy 6.4. Right? Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God. The Lord is one. That's it. We worship one God. There is one maker of heaven and earth. There is one um, principle of existence. And, and yet, and yet, somehow, in the one God, there are three persons, or three subsistences. A Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All equally God, with, with, no, with no division, zero, no division whatsoever among them. Only the distinction of, their, of, of relations. And the Father is related to the Son. Cause, and the Son and the Father to, to the Holy Spirit. The Son, Father to the Son, the Son to the Father, and so forth. And that's how relations between persons work. That God is one, and God is so one that being three persons does not um, take away from God's unity. I presume, I don't know, presume the argument could be made that being three persons actually shows forth more clearly the unity of God. Pope John Paul II said the Holy, uh, the Trinity is a family, and when a family is clicking on all cylinders, like living a life of holiness, you see the oneness of the unit of the family expressed in the various gifts of the and the of the people who who are in the family in the church if we're living as the body of Christ we see through each individual member uh, the the many-sided wisdom of God as the scripture says so yeah God is one and and uh, and and God is three um, primary there is that God is one essence, three persons, mia usia tres hypostases. Yeah, and I mean, we we what you're saying about what John Paul II John Paul II says about the relational aspect of the family kind of revealing its oneness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's how we it's one of the ways that we define this one God is that God Himself is love. This is what John mm-hmm. writes to us, and so what is it to be? Well, first of all, what is it to be in love as a human person is to sacrifice oneself for another, to um, will the good of the other as other, um, to, to give fully of oneself mm-hmm. to, to others is that act of love. Um, 
And of course, God in this constant relationship of the father pouring himself out completely to the son, the son pouring himself out completely to the father, and that relationship is, um, oh, I'm going to use the wrong verb, espousing, is that the right word? The Spirate. Whole, spirating, thank you. Oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Liberto. To breathe forth. To breathe, yeah, so it's, it's inspiring the Holy Spirit. Um, that gives us that that fullness of an understanding of what love is. Mm-hmm. But again, still kind of keeping that mystery of this one God, um, because we are seeing relationship, which is a is a dialogue uh, uh, of sorts. It, it's it it a relationship means that there's another, mm-hmm. um, but still that that fullness of the one God being represented by that. Um, by that relational aspect of love. So when you live in love, do you are you more truly yourself or less truly yourself? Or so you're more truly yourself. Mm-hmm. The more you it's it's the paradox of that's the paradox of the gospel. Uh, he who seeks to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So in, in family, when you're more giving yourself in love, well you find you're, you that you're more individual and more united. Mm-hmm. At, the, at the same time. So even our human experience of relations between persons, between mere human persons, gives us a clue and gives us a glimpse into the life of the Trinity. But the more dysfunctional our human relationships are, the, the harder it is for us, to, for us to enter into that mystery, for us to trust that there is somehow a unity in God, even though there's a distinction of persons, if we see around us only division, division, division. Mm-hmm. And so the, um, the witness of us Christians being one together is, uh, is actually a, a, a help and aid in, for the, the, the world to see and for us to enter into the mystery of the unity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. And, and what you were saying about that being such a truthful thing, being more... We, we're more ourselves in that in that relation of love, if, of real and actual love. Um, we can kind of talk about how God Himself is also truth, uh-huh. um, because of all that He reveals of Himself and all that He He is. He is goodness itself. He is truth itself. Um, you know, the, the 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 Catechism is telling us in this section that that He Himself is the sum of all truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can. Um, bring ourselves to trust that to trust you know what the lord has revealed to us um as true we can see that um and <laughs> the the beauty of it is that when we actually live the truth of of the scriptures live the truth of what's been revealed to us we see it more and more we see more and more that there are these layers of truth to um to scripture and thus to who god is because what we're what we're seeing in scripture is not just a story it's a revelation of the heart of God. Um, and so we see like, oh man, this is, this is the truth of how, what makes me happy. This is the truth of how I should treat my neighbor. This is the truth of what it means to love, like we were just saying. Um, and so we see that this truth is revealed more and more um, in the depths of, of who God is. The tru- and the truth is, Aristotle defined it as the correspondence of the mind to reality. Mm. My mind, with the image, the phantasm, so forth, in my mind are 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 actually what's what's there, mm-hmm. outside of me. So if I am um, enwrapped in not love, 
right? If I'm enwrapped in selfishness, if, um, yeah, if I'm enwrapped in selfishness, then it's harder for me to see that which is outside of me. And it's harder for me to enter into the mystery. So like you were saying, the more I train myself to live in in accord with that which has been revealed to us, we're talking about Revelation like last week or whenever that came out, we then we're better able like to, to enter into the mystery. So it's it's not um, not something to be understood because our intellects are too small for that, <laughs> but it's something to be lived. And we can only do that if we begin to live the moral life. There was somebody, uh, maybe it was like an old monk or something, who uh, somebody could, some it was our origin of Alexandria, I think. They came and they said, like, I, I want to know like what you what you believe. I want to know the Christian faith. And he said, come and live like us. Hmm. Hey, come and live like us. Um, St. Augustine said, credo ut intelligens. I believe that I might understand. And so the belief comes first, like enter in. And then the understanding comes with the entrance into the mystery. Mm-hmm. Because our minds are too small for anything else. And we need the grace uh, yeah. of he who is. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and this is kind of this is kind of the point too where we can look at um, not only just not only the the fullness of revelation, which leads us into a deeper understanding of God, but also to that very first revelation of God Himself to Moses mm-hmm. um, in in the in the giving of the name that that big moment mm-hmm. where um, you know Moses, who had been the adopted son of Pharaoh, has run away. He's he's become this sheep herder out. Um, out under, um, you know, the the patronage of oh, his name is Rule. It's also what's Jethro. His? Jethro, thank you. Um, and um, the priest of Midian, yeah, most yeah. That guy. <laughs> um, I remember it because it's my dad's name, and that's the only one I ever remember, like off the top of my head. Um, but you know, Moses, he he's um, he goes off and he he sees this bush and he sees that it's burning but not consumed and it's very mysterious, but he wants to know more about it. And, you know, that, I mean, that right there, just that image is us looking at God and just being like, wow, like this is, there's, there's power in this moment that that fire, that burning, but there's also life. There's also creation. There's this bush that is not consumed. Now, obviously this was a large part of what I wrote um, (laughs) for my thesis. So please stop me, Father, if I go off on this tangent for too long. Um, But we see from afar this this burning bush, this um, symbol of power, but this symbol of creation, the symbol of love, um, of, of cherishing this thing, but also showing God's power over it. Um, and then as Moses approaches and the Lord speaks to him and says, you know, take off your sandals, this is a holy place. And he does so and he begins the dialogue. And so he begins to speak to him um, and, you know, is, again, very kind of confused, doesn't know at first what's going on. Um, but God tells him what he must do, gives him his mission and um, tells him who he is. And he does that in in relational terms. Yeah. Now, who are you? I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God who is entered in relationship with you by covenant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now tell me your name because I got to go tell, <laughs> yeah. uh, tell him your name. And why is and, that important? Why is what important? To know his name. Well, on the surface level, you, you just got to know who he is. Right. 
right, who is this God? He's not like some made-up God or some demon, right? like Horus or whatever the other Egyptian God's name God's names were. Uh, and uh, of course, a name um, is uh, at least on human on a human level is is a way in which we enter into a relationship. Um, so God gives him this answer that's like kind of not an answer. Right? Uh, we don't know. We don't know how to pronounce it. It's it's four Hebrew <laughs> letters: Y H W H. People have said Yahweh. People have said Jehovah. People, have, I think, other people have said different things. Um, that's not terribly important. Um, but the, the translation of it is notoriously hard as well. But it's like I am who am. It's, it's probably the best translation because it, it kind of gets the words and it also remains sufficiently confusing, um, <laughs> or or perhaps better. Um, sufficiently mysterious. Mm. So God is the God of our father, our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is love. God is the one who enters into relationship. Very important. Then God is the one who is. St. Thomas Aquinas uh, takes from this passage to elucidate the, the truth that we know simply by, from philosophy that God is the grounding of being. God is existence itself. So, for example, uh, you and I, we exist. Right? We, we, yeah, that's simple enough. We exist. And then we are a certain kind of thing. Right? We're human beings. We exist. Human beings. Um, and then there are other things that exist, but that are a different kind of thing. Right? Uh, Lucy, the dog, is <laughs> she exists, but she's not a human being. She's a dog. Right? The... Um, the, the desk and the microphone and the computer and all these things, they exist, but then they're just desks and computers and microphones and, and, and whatever. Well, God exists. What is God? God's not a human. God's not a dog. God's not an inanimate object. God actually is existence itself. If, if there is to exist... And there, it, there's that something is, and there's what something is. We call that an essence. So we exist, and our essence is human being. So God's essence is simply existence. And anything that exists, therefore, depends upon God to exist. So when God says, I am who am, God is revealing in a veiled way, kind of pulling the veil off a little bit, that I am the ground of existence. I am the one who sustains everything in being. And that's what we mean more than anything um, when we say that God is the creator. Uh, sure, um, if the Big Bang Theory is correct as it seems to be, sure, God initiated the Big Bang, but it's not like God just like snapped his fingers and all of a sudden things started depending upon him. But it's that God is always the creator. And if God stopped thinking of you or me, then we just wouldn't exist. And the beauty is that God is always thinking about us. God is love. God is in relationship. He has revealed himself. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The one who has made covenant with you. Like, like you said, Jan, in 1 John, that God is love. And he is the one in whom we always participate. So how do you know God loves you? This is very, very important. If you exist, you can be certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves you. Because that means he's thinking of you. He hasn't forgotten about you. If you feel alone or are rejected or forgotten about, try to remember I exist. 
That means God knows me. That means God remembers me. That means the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit want to be in relationship with me. Even if everybody else. The scripture says something like, though mother and father forsake you, I will not abandon you, says the Lord. And you know that by existing and by the revelation that God gives to us. Mm. Yeah, one of the one of the Sisters of Life um, once gave a talk on a retreat I was on in college. She said, just when you when you struggle with knowing God's love for you, just take a second, take a deep breath, and and actually like take your pulse, put your fingers to your wrist, put your fingers to your to your neck, and feel the beat of your heart, and know that with every beat of your heart, God is willing you into existence. He is actively willing that you exist in this moment and that was one of the most profound and easiest things to do if you're just overwhelmed if you're just feeling completely cut off to just sit for a second put your fingers to your wrist and feel that beating of your heart that God is willing in that moment um and I mean kind of on a similar note of of knowing that God wills our existence is um you know, this part of, of the catechism that we're going over is we kind of go back and forth between like, well, this is what we know about God, but this doesn't tell us everything about God. Mm-hmm. Um, because we will never, I mean, we could have just said in this podcast, we will never know God completely and then just shut off the computer. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but the catechism in 208 tells us that when faced with God's fascinating and mysterious um, presence, man discovers his own insignificance. Mm-hmm. Um and that's not a bad thing. I think the world today kind of tries to tell us that, you know, we are the most significant. Um, but in reality, like, we are completely dependent on God. And we, everything that we own is a gift. We don't own it. <laughs> everything that we have is a gift. Our lives are a gift. Um, you know, the desk that we're sitting at, the desk, the computer, everything that we were just talking about is a gift to us. Our lives are a gift to us. Um, and so this glorious God that we're trying to understand um, kind of should bring into perspective who we are in light of him. Not just our insignificance, but also the fact that he loves us and that he desires us to be alive. I think you spoke about maybe in one of your homilies or one of your podcasts recently, Father, um, the fact that um, I'm not needed, I'm desired by mm-hmm. God. Um, he does not need me to complete his, his Trinitarian mission, but he desires me to participate in it, to be a part of it. Um, so I understand um, that what I'm doing is important and it's desired. Um, my life is, des- des- sorry, is desired. Um, the, the things that I wish to do, the good that I wish to do, um, particularly is desired. Obviously, the sins that I commit are not desired. Um, <laughs> But when I know who I am in the face of this, you know, this God, this, this amazing, mysterious being that I can't fully contemplate, you know, even in, in Exodus, when Moses goes up the mountain and God says, like, make your request. And Moses says, like, Lord, I want to see your face. And God, God tells him, like, Moses, no. Like, and it's not in a sense of, um, of I won't show you. It's that I don't want you to, like, you know, disintegrate. Um, there's too much glory in me um, for you to see face-to-face yet. Obviously, until, like, the, the parousia, the, 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 um, the opening of the gates of heaven, the, the beatific vision, all of that wonderfulness. 
um, that's coming down the line. But yeah, I just made up a word. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but okay. Oh, no, keep going. Okay. <laughs> I'll take us way too far for you. Talking about divine energy. So. Oh, good. Um, but we know that we are so dependent on this, on this amazing, on this beautiful God that has created us, that wills us with every beat of our heart into existence, that we know it's almost comforting to know that we're not in the driver's seat. Um, Praise the Lord. Because I would have crashed this car many, many times over um, if that were the case. Well, it, it's, it's January. <laughs> uh, so uh, how many of us even remember our New Year's resolutions from last year, uh, from oh, 2019? Much less have kept them. Okay, so sufficient proof right, that, we, uh, that we, we're not capable of taking care of ourselves. Mm. Um, we're not capable of... Um, of sustaining ourselves, we're too weak for that. But yet, yet it's it, God carries us mm. and cares for us. And what scripture verse is it that says, um, "I've done only what uh, what the unworthy servant has done"? Uh, I don't know, someone else. <laughs> it's one of the gospels. <laughs> I'm testing Father Bryce's yeah, scriptural I, limits today. Um, but but really, it's it's I I have only done so much as as an as the unworthy servant has done. Jesus is telling us about um, about what we're capable of and what you know what we've done for God, who is perfection, who is love itself, who is truth itself, who is good itself. Um, we've really only done so much um, that we can do, which is actually not a whole lot because we're we're. We try very hard, and that's beautiful. That's the beauty of humanity is that we get back up and we try again. Um, but it, it means also that we need someone else. We need this greater, amazing God who comes in and helps us to get back up, um, who sustains us in getting back up um, to, to proceed, to actually make it to heaven. Um, All I am is an unworthy servant, and then God raises me up to be his child amen and that that's that's it i believe in one god that's that's this guy that's the guy in whom we believe so we'll end um with this prayer and they are this uh, encouragement from saint Teresa of avila at the end of this section in the catechism paragraph 227 let nothing disturb you let nothing frighten you everything passes God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone suffices. Remember that when we pray every Sunday. I believe in one God. And we will slowly, as unworthy servants, be carried in the arms of our Father who makes us his children. And please God, I delight with this one God forever in heaven.